0: Welcome to Your Happy Place Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Ross. I am an entrepreneur and a real estate investor. Each week, we will be bringing you interviews about real estate investing, property management, and sharing inspiring stories. Are you ready? Let's get started. So today on the podcast, I'm so pleased to have James Collins here with me. James is the associate vice president at Cushman Wakefield Atlantic. Welcome to the podcast James.
1: Thank you for having me Jenna. Excited to be here with you today.
0: So, how did you get started into the world of commercial leasing?
1: It was thousands of years ago in a galaxy far, far away. That, no, so everybody in our industry falls into it. We I've always said if if you have a child and they say I want to go into commercial real estate, then it's time to look at it, like adopting them out somewhere. Cause it would be a really odd child. Everybody in our industry has, it's a second career for everyone. So my story, I won't go through the whole thing. It's long and it, it's not the most interesting. Um, but I, I, you can tell I'm not from here. I'm from Wales in the UK originally, and I landed in Canada. 13 years ago I uh, had a business at the time I I had a marketing and PR business which was pretty successful and was growing that and having all the fun in the world with it and then the the time was right to to leave that business uh, and to move on and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like you, I was an entrepreneur, so I didn't want to go and get a salary and clock watch until 5 p.m. every day. I definitely didn't want a whole command chain above me telling me what to do because I'd always been self-employed. And having been in that environment from a young man, you do get spoiled and you get used to freedom and you get used to autonomy. So I wasn't looking to go into, let's call it regular employment. I wanted to be able to flex the entrepreneurial muscle, but still, at the same time, be a part of something bigger than something I built. So my wife was working in property management, and she said, these leasing guys that we see, they look like a good bunch. They look like they're having fun. They seem pretty happy. They look pretty good. So I didn't really have any exposure to the industry. Anyway, cut a long story short, I get in touch with somebody I know who's quite a prolific developer in this city. And he tells me a bit about becoming a commercial real estate agent and getting a license and going into the brokerage world. And he says, here's some here's some names. Go go and call these people. Call them in this order. So the first guy was, was called Bill McAvoy. No idea who he was. Googled him. Look, looked like a good guy. So just cold called him and said, hey, you You don't know me. I don't know you. Uh, we both know Glenn, who is the shared contact we had. I told him a bit about my history. He said, come on in, have a meeting with me. I came away from that meeting and went, yes, this is it. This is what I want to do. So again, it was that opportunity to, to build a practice, build a business, have all the freedom of what I am as now um, an independent contractor, which is the, the Arrangement I have with the brokerage, but then also be able to plug into a global brand with 180 offices around the world and be a part of that bigger thing. So that that's really how I got into it backwards, you know, falling into it. And if you look at everybody in our industry, we're, we're all the same. We have very few graduates that come into the brokerage green and fresh and get kind of nurtured. Most people are second career.
0: Oh, that's very interesting. And it's kind of it kind of reminds me of how I fell into property management. It's not definitely not something that I went to school <laughs> for or <laughs> thought that I was going to be. Yeah, it's kind of a second. Mom, mom, way. when I grow,
1: when I'm a big girl, I want to be a property manager.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't. I didn't even know about it until, I don't know, 10 years ago. So really cool. So what tips can you share for your tenant clients who are looking to lease a commercial space?
1: Great question and a question that's always changing and my answer is always changing. What I'm going to give you is the short answer of the few parts of this that are consistent. And by consistent I mean they were they were the same before COVID, during COVID and after COVID. The number one thing is if you're looking for space to lease or you're looking to renew your lease, start early. Time is your friend. Particularly if you're renewing your lease, you want to create a credible threat of relocation in the eyes of your landlord, because that is the one thing that's going to give the landlord pause and it's going to cause the landlord to sharpen the pencil. So landlords will typically send renewal terms, proposed renewal terms, to tenants about a year in advance. The majority of tenants put them in the the you know the bottom of the farthest drawer. They the landlord won't bug them because every day they hemorrhage not negotiating the renewal terms is a day that the landlord wins. So you need to start right away. You need to create that credible threat of relocation. You need to prove to the landlord that, hey, we're far enough out that I have time to bounce out of your portfolio and go elsewhere. And be sincere about it. Go out there, shop the market, take a look at the other options, take a look at other landlords, leverage the deal that the landlord wants to give you at renewal against those other landlords. And all of this requires time. You need about six months minimum, ideally six to nine in a real perfect world, six to 12 months to negotiate a lease deal for new space or uh, to renew a lease. And the majority of issues we see at the brokerage that the panicking calls I get, and to be honest, most of these people are too late and too deep into the hole. We can't help them. Are People that have left it till 8 weeks before they've taken that paperwork out they're now starting to talk to the landlord about the renewal and the landlord has all of the cards the landlord knows in 8 weeks you are not going to be able to find a new location do the deal move there and vacate my premises they know that they have you because time has has melted away and therefore they hold the cards so that's number 1 the second thing is it's just down to information and market knowledge your your landlord even if You've, I'd, I'd actually had a call with somebody about two weeks ago. And he said, well, uh, you're know, he was looking at potentially using a broker for, for a lease renewal. He said, well, why would I, le- I use the broker? I've known my landlord for 10 years. He's kind of a friend. He told me he's going to give me a good deal. And the truth is the landlord is always operating from a position of their best interests. I'm not saying he was fooling this gentleman. We ended up on this call deciding we weren't a good fit. I felt he he didn't really respect what the broker was going to do. Um, and he himself, I think, felt he was was equipped, even though I would say he wasn't. Uh, his ego was equipped, but he felt he was equipped to go and do do the deal himself. And that's fine because everybody has that right. But I've lost my, um, my train of thought now. Yes. He said, my landlord will give me a good deal because he knows me really well. And I said, look, the landlord is still operating from position of their best interests. They're doing a disservice to their bank, to themselves, to any other stakeholders, to their staff. If they cut you a deal in your interest, what you need to do is level the playing field. So we've got one side of the deal, the landlord. They're operating everything in their best interest. The deal that they give you is the deal that they want for them, not for you, because you're the tenant, you're not the landlord. What you can do as the tenant to level that playing field is data. Data and information. What are vacancy rates? What are market rents doing? What does that landlord's vacancy rate in that building and the rest of their portfolio look like? What are the major trends around the city that are affecting availabilities right now? What are the rental rates and vacancy rates and absorption rates of all the other landlords' portfolios and how can they play into your negotiation to try to get you to sweeten the deal. So really, you need you need hundreds of data points to do a good deal. And this is what the majority of business owners don't have. And this is where we come in because we specialize in that data. So we survey about 750 properties in HRM every quarter. Um, we have, if we look at everything in the various orders they can be ordered, we have hundreds of thousands of data points. So when a tenant calls us... the Landlord has given them lease renewal paperwork, because every lease renewal is a new deal and can be negotiated. We come in, we understand the landlord's going to give a deal that works for the landlord, not the tenant, and we we act as the advocates for the tenant side, and we use that data um, ideally to crush the landlord down and and give our client a much better deal, and and we're successful uh, the majority of the time. So the two things I would say to sum up is leave enough time for any commercial real estate deal. And get yourself armed with information, because loyalty to the landlord, uh, ego—these are not negotiating tools. What you need is data, and brokers can provide that.
0: That's so fascinating. Yeah, I had no idea how you guys could help. That's really incredible.
1: It's and- very confusing out there. Not many, you know, we, we're foreign to most people because they think. Number one is they think all that the broker does, like me, I list space. I don't really list space. I work with tenants on, on their end of the deal. So a lot of people don't really understand that that we provide that service. But it's it's very important, you know, in, in the world that we're in now, landlords and I don't blame them, landlords operate selfishly. They have to get the best deal for them. So when when they tell a tenant, hey, you've been with me 10, 15 years, I'm going to cut your deal. It is simply not true. Any landlord who's cutting a deal for the tenant is doing a disservice to their stakeholders and uh, their own retirement. So it's not hard to understand that they they don't do that.
0: Wow. <laughs> and how did COVID, COVID impact commercial leasing?
1: It was confusing at the start. You know, we went, like, like you, I'm sure, Jen and your listeners and everybody else, we entered a period of absolute sheer terror in the beginning. That thir- Friday, the 13th of March, I think was the day that everything shut down. We couldn't, you know, the phones were buzzing. My phone battery was draining at twice the speed it normally does because the phone was lit up. I could not return calls as quick as they were coming in. And I didn't know anything. I knew as much as my clients knew and I was as scared as, as they were. So we were left with this conundrum it becomes, okay, How do we get one step ahead of the majority of people so we can give our clients information that can help them? So we spent as a brokerage and individually a lot of time looking at the markets and uh, geopolitical events, public health responses, federal, provincial, um, municipal government responses, a little bit of guesswork and and rubbing of the crystal ball and, and trying to connect the dots. We then realized that we could continue helping our clients, but but the game has changed. So the business parks filled up, industrial space just went crazy. People couldn't get product locally, e-commerce boomed, so the business parks filled. Retail space somewhat died. Office space was the confusing one. People were sending employees home. They didn't know how long they'd be home for. Maybe their leases were coming up for renewal. They didn't know if they needed all 10,000 square feet anymore, if the the workforce was coming back or if long term there would be a hybrid model. So our industry changed through fluidity, through the cut and dry nature of commercial leasing and the way tenants look at their relationship with their commercial space. Was no longer cut and dry. All the rules were thrown out of the window, and we then entered this fluid period of kind of evolution. So we we just always try to be one step ahead of our clients because our job is is to fill in the blanks and assist them. Now we, I won't. I have used the phrase in fact a few weeks ago on a podcast. I used the phrase. I think we're in cruise control now. Looking back on it, that's probably not a good phrase to use with with the economy doing what it's doing and what it's about to do and and geopolitical instability uh, and the threat of things like future pandemics so the the culture of commercial real estate commercial leasing and our job as brokers going forward is we don't have a playbook years ago i would say my job was easier i could i could take what your landlord wanted to do i could kind of beat the landlord up get the pencil sharpened, make the numbers look better, make the inducements look better and sign the deal. That's not the case anymore. We're having to work harder with every client to look at their specific situation and then look at the external factors in the world that could impact them more than they would before COVID. So our job has got a lot more interesting. It kind of supports the need for tenants to use brokers because every renewal of their lease that, or acquisition of space they did prior to COVID, the rules they employed have changed. So yeah, short answer again to your question, how did COVID change our industry? Initially, it terrified us. Then it forced us to be one step ahead of our clients so we could advise them. And coming off the back of COVID, it's taught us that there is no checklist anymore, that every deal, every client and every situation is different. But I I enjoy it that way.
0: Wow. Fascinating. I didn't realize so much goes into it. So much data goes into what you do. It's incredible.
1: A lot of it, yeah. I mean, ultimately, the real estate market is driven by, well, they all drive each other, as you know, You know, the economy, geopolitical events, um, major decisions. Our Halifax real estate market also changes as users move around. So if a major employer comes in, or a major employer leaves, or a large user moves from Halifax to dartmouth it switches everything up and th- they just didn't affect things before the pandemic as much as they do now but again whereas i maybe enjoyed slightly less stress with my job we have to do more work now and it's a lot more stressful because every deal's so different but the weeks fly by where is life going where did 2022 go do you feel the same it just arrived
0: and happened i do it went by in a blink of an <laughs> eye. <laughs> Yeah, it was a roller coaster of a year in real estate in Halifax on the sales side, and uh, and sort of our our residential property management and the leasing side kind of followed like busy in January, busy through the spring. Spring is usually our busiest time, but you know, and super busy through the summer, and then it just kind of died <laughs> with the rising interest rates, and yeah, and then we received a lot of new clients in the fall because for whatever reason they weren't selling or decided not to sell. And then they want to lease their space with us. So it's been a really interesting year
1: I'm not going to interview you I'm, I'm the guest here but I'll ask a question if that's okay sure, because, because I operate in the commercial world and and you know I have my own residential real estate uh, interests from uh, from an investment and a um a personal ownership perspective but uh, where do you see the winter go obviously we've seen some trends that have dramatically changed during the last year what do you see for the residential leasing market for the next four months
0: yeah, it's it's interesting right now because of a lot of new properties coming onto our portfolio. We seem to have a lot of inventory right now, and it's a li- there's, there's fewer people looking. And I think our tenants are sort of holding their purse strings a little tighter on what they want to spend for rent, not knowing what the economy is going to do. I think you know I, I i don't think it's going to slow down i think that from what i'm reading out of the us and we kind of are similar here because of the rising interest rates i think a lot more people are going to rent so that's going to increase the demand again so i think we'll be steadily busy like there's never there's never a hard time to lease spaces if they're under $2000 a month if they're over it it depends but they they certainly fly from spring until early fall so yeah
1: who wants to move in the winter
0: not too many people <laughs> let's not... just
1: carry this mattress over eight feet of snow we?
0: <laughs> I've done it a couple times I don't recommend it so I understand why most people don't want to move right before Christmas but <laughs> I don't blame them Yes. So tell me about your podcast. How can we find that?
1: I have my own podcast. Thank you, first of all, for letting me letting me plug it. I appreciate it. I have a podcast with a colleague of mine, Alec Cranston. Uh, he's younger than me. He's way better looking than I am. He's funnier than me as well. So we our, our ethos with this podcast is we started it just under a year ago. We wanted to feature the unsung people and happenings of hrm the the movers and the shakers that are making huge strides creating great uh great waves and news both good and sometimes contentious but the people that you don't hear about so we are not really looking to put in the the major names the major developers the major politicians and, and firstly oh well, sorry not firstly but to to Go back a few steps. This is nothing about real estate. We we don't, if we chat about real estate, it's incidental. It's not a real estate podcast. It's a Halifax podcast, it just happens to be done by, by two real estate guys. But we featured things like um the management of Halifax Airports. We featured the Citadel ghost walk people that do the ghost tours of of Citadel Hill. Uh, we featured a couple of local business people with with some pretty interesting stories to tell. Uh, We're just trying to let and give a voice to those who are prevalent and prominent in the city, but the people that just don't get handed the megaphone. So that's what we do. There's plenty of immature humor thrown in. We, we have, from our feedback, we're appealing to the business audience and the kind of younger professional audience who like a bit of immaturity but ultimately, it is a serious podcast, so we, we just like to keep it light and casual, and that's monthly. So it, it's Matter of Facts, F-A-X for Halifax, Matter of Facts, and it's on all the major networks. So you can get it on Google, I think it's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of those. So I appreciate you letting me plug that, Jenna.
0: That's so cool. I have to check that out. I'm excited. And so where is my final question for you is where is your happy place?
1: My happy place is where I grew up. So I grew up in in South Wales over in the UK, on the the Wales-England border, but in Wales, the city I grew up in was called Newport. The city is, you know, industrial. It's got its problems. The surrounding area is beautiful. All of South Wales is one of the most beautiful parts of the world. Anybody I know who's been there has never been once. Everybody goes back. And I think it's become my happy place because, well, firstly, my childhood memories are are embedded there. All of my family still lives there. I, I came over here alone. Literally, everybody is there. But growing older and being away from it, I've built so much appreciation for where I grew up. And you know, they say absence makes the heart grow, grow fonder. Being away, and particularly during COVID, when I couldn't go, I had a period of two years where the UK was very strict, and I was unable to enter the UK without a 14-day quarantine, which I couldn't do in my parents' house, and I wasn't going to do it, so I didn't go. The more I'm away, the more I miss it. And Wales, is a, it's like Canada. It's a very patriotic country. We live through sport. We live through food. We live through music as Welsh men and Welsh women. So, that, yeah, that is my happy place. I'm lucky these days if I get to visit every year. And if I do, it's typically only for a week or 10 days. But 2023, I'm going to try to get back over twice, selfishly uh, in February to watch Wales and uh, England in the rugby. Wales will beat England. And then I'll go, hopefully, I'll go back over uh, for the summer for a, a proper trip. So yes, my happy place is the the south uh, region valleys of Wales in the UK. And if you've never been, please go, you will love it. I would say that though, but it's true.
0: Amazing. I'd love to go. I've never been. So where can our listeners go to find out more about you? Maybe perhaps leave your email address,
1: Absolutely. Yes. I think the two I normally give, I'm I'm not, everyone says I'm on social media. Well, I'm not on social media. I don't like social media. I actually moved away from social media the last year, but I do maintain LinkedIn because it's extremely, extremely valuable to me. So you can look me up, James Collins on LinkedIn. I think my URL is linkedin.com slash James Collins Halifax. I think that's the URL that I set. I put out a lot of educational content for commercial Real estate matters on there. And uh, if you want to reach me by email, it's the letter J Collins at CW Atlantic.com. So J C O O L I N S at CW com. J Collins at CW Atlantic.com. I probably butchered the spelling there. I've not had enough coffee today, Jen. I've, I'm half asleep uh, due to uh, a very relaxing weekend
0: fantastic james thank you so much for coming on the podcast
1: it was a pleasure thanks for having me
0: thank you for listening to your happy place podcast we really appreciate you tuning in and until next time stay cozy and kind